What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. What do your music playlists and podcast feeds have in common? They're a reflection of you. And that's how the State Farm personal price plan works, too. It gives you options to personalize your coverage so you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price that's just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm personal price plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. That's out. Oh, he's that's unbelievable. He was slowing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on today's show. In another advertisement for why this is the weirdest sport on earth, New Zealand and India will be completed tomorrow after New Zealand play 46.1 overs of their batting innings before the rain came and ruined it all. We preview the second semi-final between Australia and England, short-term rain forecasts and barefoot Australians in a circle. Who plays and who doesn't and how much of a road it's going to be unlike at Old Trafford overnight. Elise Perry joins the show to discuss her 7 for 22 in the Ashes and how easy a sport cricket actually is if you're a complete freak. Remaining tickets for our live shows at Birmingham, Leeds and Manchester are still available at greycricketer.club where we'll be joined by Merv Hughes at Birmingham on the evening of day four of the first Ashes Test and Tim Breslin joins Sam, Dave and I on stage in Leeds and Manchester. The very last London tickets for August 12 at Leicester Square Theatre are all at greycricketer.club. Finally, we answer your questions to this uh, this morning which relate to net bowling against Australia Ray, Netflix, tattoos and Tinder and employment relations. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm I'm joined by Dave Edwards in Sydney and Sam Perry in Melbourne. And lads, there are now two and a half games left in the World Cup. Morning, all. Uh, yeah, and wasn't it great to watch in, uh, New Zealand's innings last night? Uh, and I know, Higgins, you were discussing this off air, but uh, it was clearly being played on um, a very difficult batting wicket, which is <laughs> taking a lot of spin after sort of taking a lot of seam and stuff as well. And wasn't it great just to have... Steve Waugh and Saurav Ganguly both agree that uh, Ross Taylor really needed to get on with it. Uh, <laughs> while Steve Waugh was just walking us through his 120 off 110 uh, in the game before the semi final against South Africa, mm. just in his understated tone saying, Yeah, I guess it probably was played at a modern day pace. <laughs> and, he's, and, he's like, and, and then he goes on to say, This game's probably been played at more of a uh, 1987 pace. Oh, just directly out of the side of his mouth as well, in, in classic Steve Waugh fashion. 
um, Ganguly. It was his birthday actually this week. On I saw that on Twitter. It was good to see a few tributes of the um, that famous image of him celebrating shirtless on the Lord's balcony. Um, mm. I can't remember when that was. Must have been the early two thousands. Uh, mm. oh, fuck, that was just a great image. The virility mm. of Ganguly. Um, mm. Who would you most like to see celebrating shirtless on the Lord's balcony from the Indian team, <laughs> presuming they win the World Cup, which they will? The Indian team, mm. who would I most like to see? I reckon Chahal's got a bit about him. There's something about Chahal. Uh, he's like, I, I learnt the other week that he was the national Indian chess champion at age like 10 or something. Oh, my God. Oh, that's um, really cool. That'd be a tough yeah. school too. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it, it would be hard. Well, what would be harder? Get into the national chess team in India or the cricket team? Probably the cricket team. <laughs> um but uh yeah, Pez, I mean I, I I agree with those uh with those thoughts just generally that the it's it's often amazing to me that like um international former international players who have played the game at the highest level played more times than anyone else, uh including, you know, these these three guys in this podcast yet can't identify like how hard that wicket clearly was to bat. Like Kane Williamson's had an excellent World Cup. Ross Taylor's had a pretty good World Cup as well. These guys are set. They face like 70 balls and they just can't time the fucker. And like and and the commentators are like, well they need to get on with it. I mean they need to get to 275 here if they go at fucking 12 yeah. and over 15 overs. Well the run rate's three and a half, Mark Nicholas. You think they're still gonna go at 12 and a half? <laughs> Fuck me, you kidding? But if cricket's just easy, he goes, oh. isn't it? Like you just you, yeah. what you do is you bat for you get ten balls in and then you immediately understand all the properties of the pitch and then you can bat forever on it once you just kind of mm. see and get your eye in. Mm. They should have mm. just done that. Did you guys um did you guys catch Martin Guptill, Martin Guptill's face uh, yeah. after being dismissed. So Guptill's just had a had a horrific tournament, and he's mm. been dismissed, scoring one from fourteen deliveries. <laughs> and my God, the the face that came up on you know, through the dressing room <laughs> that they showed was like it was demonic in its depression, and <laughs> yeah. like it was completely colourless, wasn't oh, it? And we have mm. like we've all been there. Just we've all been there after just not being able to score a run or hit one off the mm. square mm. for a long time. It's a dark. It's place disappointing. I mean, because he can't he can't leave the venue. Like at least in grade cricket, you can just get in your car and drive. <laughs> like I used to just drive a couple of suburbs away just to get out of the mm. radius, like you a did. three kilometer radius from the ground, because of all this negative energy from the ground. But you can't do that when you're a professional cricketer. You have to like. Front up and watch mm. your teammates back. But, I mean, great cricketers might argue you can't do that either, but obviously you did, yeah. you did that. I was going to say, no, I yeah. did that. No, I'd go, I'd tell yeah. you, like, yeah, go down the highway, like three, it. three tolls away. I like it how great cricket like grounds to you are just like Chernobyl, where there's like the action zone. You just need to get outside of the radiation zone to like be cleansed yeah. of cricket. Yeah. I, I hope for I hope for Toto Guptill's sake that you know he doesn't win the World Cup because nothing would be less satisfying than for him to have not not done anything and the team wins. Um, so that'd be that'd be a hard mm. thing to take. But yeah, a really strange wicket, and the wicket is the story of this game so far because it obviously hasn't even half been completed. Um, but. Uh, it's a brand new wicket at Old Trafford, um, and 
my God, it was taking some spin, but it was also seeming as well. It was really two paced. Um, you know, Pandy was like getting into the wicket, rolling his fingers down the seams by the back of a length. Looked, it looked incredibly hard to uh, to to read and to play because every ball was acting a little bit differently. Mm. At, at the point where the commentators were still saying that they need to go at ten and over, Jimmy Neesham got a leading edge down to long on. So it's it's obviously an incredibly hard wicket to bat on. But now I feel like who knows what how the wicket's going to play if it's going to be maybe it's, it'll behave better because it because it'll have calmed down a little bit. I mean, but they can't prepare the wicket in the mm. time that um, they, uh, that before this game starts again. So maybe it's going to be even drier than what it was, Ooh. even though it's rained. I don't know, it's weird. One thing I know is that we will all speculate on it, despite having no qualifications in it. Hmm. So at yes. least this affords us another 24 hours of rampant speculation, like completely non-evidence-based speculation. Yeah, and to speak about it in kind of oversimplified terms, I mean... Mate, what will happen is, you know, the wicket will sweat under the covers. It'll be far more difficult to bat on uh, mm. tomorrow, and we can expect the ball to stick. Uh, and the yep. wicket's going to be really difficult for Virat Kohli. Uh, although on the flip side, BCCI controls cricket, so it'll probably be a road. <laughs> yep. Well, it's, un- exactly it's it. unfortunate we can't just get out there and, like, throw a ball into the wicket and then just see how it reacts <laughs> from doing that and then deduce everything from that action. Mm. Well, what's, what's interesting as well is that... Um, England could have been the ones playing this game on that wicket, in which case you would have to heavily fancy. I mean, given how England have batted on wickets that aren't absolute roads, uh, you'd have to say that India would be heavy favourites going into that game. But also it's really bizarre that it's a brand new wicket. I don't think there's been that much rain around, and yet the wicket seems to be incredibly subcontinenty. Uh, in its, what is, uh, in its uh, is that the plural? Well, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a slow, two-paced spinning wicket. Uh, I think that that suits India far more than it suits uh, any other country left in the World Cup. So I don't know. I'm, what I'm saying is the BCCI controls the wickets, uh, even in Manchester. So I mean, it'd be interesting to know because it is a brand new wicket at um, at Edgebaston as well, where Australia will play. So it'd be interesting to see if there are any demons in that wicket as well. Um, Came Winston rolls on with a, with a great tournament. I think I think we spoke uh, probably spoke enough about the Kiwis. There weren't too many standout performances, but um, Jasper Brummer with the new ball, my God, uh, he is. <laughs> I mean, he's a world number one bowler for a reason. Man, I'm so scared of him. Hey, like I, I needed we needed England to knock India out the semi final, which is that reverse idea. But I, I mean, he, talk about you know. Talk about demons in the wicket. Like Australia needs demons in the wicket against England, and and Jasper Boomer just is demons for Australia. So he yeah, is. I mean, what a what a player, <sighs> and the way he just strangled Nichols and Guptill to start the match to put India on the front foot, and then just uh, nicked off Guptill with one just you know like sort of angled in, straightened, yeah. swung away, took the like the top half of his outside of his bat. Flew to first or second slip. I can't remember. Oh, he's, I, he's I, just I, such a player. It's he's demonic, isn't he? I'm going to articulate this terribly, but but like just you know when you're batting, you want to be able to watch the bowler run up fluidly mm. from the start mm. of their mark to their delivery. But he doesn't he doesn't allow you that because he's so staccato mm. in the oh, way yeah, that he kind of that. approaches the wicket and then it all suddenly kind of comes together at that popping crease, that action that he has. You just I would really fucking struggle against Jasper Brumra. I mean, I know that I averaged eight in third grade um, <laughs> and, and was fucking shit, but, like, I, I just would be so frightened of him. I reckon um, two things there, Eddos, um, in that I was watching him bowl and I was thinking, like, 
imagine seeing him bowl, like facing him the first time he ever showed up to India training or like whatever. Cause I kind of feel like he was a net bowler who got called in and he's like, just like stuttering. <laughs> yeah. you know, he was guy the former, with yeah. weird action. He was and like the, former the chest, first time you faced that, you'd, you would, you would see, you would see this guy like stuttering and you'd be like, wow, this is going to be terrible. And he just roll, he rocks it down at 140 Ks an yeah. hour or whatever. And second thing is another great example of like you will only play international professional sports if you're a genetic freak uh, because you look at like Boomer's arm, like the the flexibility in his elbow and his forearm and his femurs is is just completely genetics. So um, kids, if you want to make it uh, to elite levels, um, don't bother unless you're a genetic freak. He was definitely created in a science lab by the BCCI. Mm. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's such a like a, a really fine line to like praise Jasper Boomer for being a really good cricketer and then just slightly suggest that he's like some kind of monster. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, cricket well, Frankenstein. Well, as we said before, there's no market in India, so you know we can do what we like. Um, Pez, how's it, how's this remaining match going to go? Do you think? Uh, put on put on your uh, your future glasses here. Uh, four overs left of the innings. I mean, do, do New Zealand finish their innings, or is it going to be they stop there and get a Duckworth Lewis thing? Oh yeah, the, a Duckworth Lewis thing. Um, I think that look, I think that they've done really really well to get to two hundred and eleven for five mm-hmm. from where they were, uh, and they've got twenty three balls to obviously increase that total. I mean, I, I still think that. Let's just say the wicket remains relatively the same. That's probably the safest bet. Uh, mm. I still think India have too much class, and, and New Zealand might have to have you know just slightly like just 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 not enough uh, in terms of their bowling quality to restrict India. But um, you know, uh, you, you, you never know. I guess. I mean, they've got. I'm just looking at their side now. Lockie Ferguson's back in. That's really good. That perhaps mm. they would have been well served to. Um, to play two spinners, uh, mm. but uh, yeah, obviously Ferguson's in. So a bit, it'll be a really big job for Mitchell Santner. You know, I think if um, if New Zealand do manage to pull this out of the bag somehow, Santner will probably take three or four. But uh, I think India probably still just has too much firepower. It could just be one of those mm. ones, mate, where like um, New Zealand have made the wicket look really hard, and then India do it in thirty odd overs. <laughs> mm. Possibly, uh, yeah. I, I, I think I think if New Zealand gets a two thirty, two forty, I think that's a really competitive score on on that wicket anyway. But it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, I suppose uh, difficult to talk much about. You know, a game happened for forty six overs that yielded no result and will be finished tomorrow. So let's move on to Australia and England. And we saw that Just Langer has uh, used all of his Zen techniques and brought Australia together in a circle, uh, barefoot. And I don't know what the point of that was, but. Um, Anyone got any any takes on on this uh, this preparation leading into a World Cup semi final? I mean, I liked it. It's different to the usual pro game routines of telling highly exaggerated sex stories um, to mm. you know take your shoes off and feel mm. the grass between your toes and mm-hmm. the Earth's natural energy underneath you or, or some shit. I, I think Earthing's meant to transfer those earthly electrons into the body or something and. And kind of, I, th- I think that's, I think that's the idea around it. I think Langer to me just reminds me of kind of the boss who has a mental breakdown, but then goes to like a hippie retreat and comes back completely enlightened, like with a yeah. holiday tan and just wants to force all these newfound beliefs on everyone. And it's initially <laughs> kind of jarring and you're all looking at each other, but you do it yeah. because he's 
because he's your boss. Like, like yeah. you walk into his office at 3 p.m. to ask for a performance review and he's on the ground meditating with his suit hanging up. Yeah. That's the kind of guy I think, I think Langer is. He basically is like Don Draper in the final episode of Mad Men um, <laughs> when he goes all hippie. But then he goes on to write that iconic Coke commercial. So I expect Langer to go on and win the World Cup in the Ashes, uh, just like Don Draper went on to dominate advertising. <laughs> and then get some Coke. Um, Pez, uh, Wade V. Hanscom. Yeah, so well, news has emerged overnight that uh, like, so Langer's come out and said Hanscom will play 100%. He deserves it. He was really stiff not to be on that tour. So Hanscom's in. However, it appears that... Um, you know, I'm not sure this has actually been said on the record, but probably has been said to journalists that Glenn Maxwell's spot might be in question. And so when when it was mm. asked when when Lang was asked about whether Wade would play too, he sort of didn't say no. He said, "Well, he's in the squad uh, and he's a chance." I don't know if they're going to sort of spring a surprise selection. Maxwell's obviously, you know, he he seems to be a walking wicket with the bat at the moment. I know I said that last time. Uh, and then the other thing is, it appears that Stoinis has pulled up fit. Which is really strange. So that Langer was <sighs> describing st- Langer was describing a heated net session that brings the best out of Stoin. Um, suggest a bit of nickname there, but um, uh, yeah, apparently you know he was being bombarded by the quicks, came through really well, bowled really well. So was he just lying about his side strain? Uh, you can't pick a bloke from the fucking nets. Like, at what <laughs> level does this stop? Like, oh, yeah, he smashes him in the nets. Like, does this ever end? Like, just a bloke who just looks good? Is this what a, like Australian cricket just relentlessly just picks the best-looking bloke? I'm like, uh, you know, I've said it before. So we love a bit of stoyness here. Well, I do anyway. I love a bit of stoin. But my goodness me, like, has not done anything for Australia in, like, what was in a year. So, like... But yeah, like no, but that's not true. He goes because week in, week out, he looks unbelievable in the nets. It must be incredible. Don't get me wrong. And I, I you know, if Cricket Australia can release some Coley-esque footage of you know Stoinis in the nets that we can all fucking jerk off to, like we did with <laughs> Coley, it's like oh, the noise from his bat. Oh, fucking spare me. But yeah, I mean, like I, I don't, I can't, I can't have Stoinis back. I understand the balance thing; it does make the balance of the side much better. But what makes the the team better overall is picking eleven of your best players. And this is kind of the problem with like Australia not caring about ODI cricket for three and a half years and kind of still figuring out the best team as they're going into a semi final because, like. I mean, he goes. I said last show, like, like Maxwell, like, yeah, I'll believe, I'll believe that he hit 120 every time he comes to crease, despite there only being 15 balls remaining, that being mathematically impossible. I'll, I'll, I'll believe, but, 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 uh, but Wade is like scoring runs and has done for two years, so he's probably the best bet. But he like goes, what happens if the wicket <coughs> is a bit in it? He goes. Wade is also, by all reports, been unbelievable asset around the boys. I don't know if you've been ah, yes. reading up on that, but ever since he's got no. there, he's just the ultimate team man. He'll do anything. He'll he's been bowling really well in the nets. He's just been okay. you know providing good body language at all times and all costs. He's just been yeah. an unbelievable asset already. So his job's done. He doesn't mm. actually need to play cricket ever again. If he can just kind of generally be in the vicinity of Australian cricketers um, for the rest of his career, then I think that'll have a net positive effect on our results. Isn't isn't Wade just the most malleable person ever? Because like there was talk when 
uh, he was going to get brought back into the test side. They're like, well, if you tell him to be a nice guy, I'm sure he'll be a nice guy. Mm-hmm. I think he was just being told to sledge, so he sledged. You know, like I've seen him bowl mm-hmm. in test matches. You know, he, he'll bat wherever you want. He's just the most like what a what a malleable yeah. character. I think he did like, sandpaper. I think they way. tried to pin sandpaper on him. They tried to, and he was happy to go down with it. Uh, you know, he was a young guy, didn't really know his way, just trying to fit into the team. Uh, oh, I was oh, no, young. Wait, that was that was twenty six year old Cameron Bancroft, who'd yeah. already captained Western Australia by that point. Uh, <laughs> didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> so, well, that, that's interesting, though, Pez. They're, they're going to go with Hanscom, and fair enough too, because he, he was unlucky to miss out on the tour. Um, what would you? What would you guys do? What would you guys do with 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 Maxwell? Oh, well, in you know, if Hanscom's playing, it means Smith will go to three, Hanscom will bat four. And then the mm-hmm. question becomes, what do you do with number five and six? Uh, like, if Hanscom's going to play, then you have to play Maxwell. I still would. I'd be I'd be reluctant to drop Maxwell because you'd always wonder what if. You know, he just mm-hmm. he still has that capability to win a match. And you sort of feel like every match that he doesn't produce in brings him closer to the one that he mm-hmm. will. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but you know, then you weigh that against the rationality of him literally having a technical deficiency against short bowling, <laughs> and England having mm-hmm. the two almost quickest bowlers in the competition. But and it's you think, so well, fun wondering if this is going to be the game where he does everything we've ever dreamed of. That's right, and that's mm-hmm. all we want. It, it's all we want. We're asking much, mm-hmm. just for 140 not, not out of about 80 balls and 10 really tidy overs, um, and perhaps one of the great catches of the World Cup. That's all we're asking from him. But, yeah, I'd play Maxwell. <laughs> I think the Stoinis question is is a very interesting one. Like, I can see how they're thinking about it. Like, Because I, I think, again, rationally, like, you could put Mitch Marsh next to uh, Marcus Stoinis now and say he may well produce better than Stoinis because, injury or not, Stoinis ha- hasn't really contributed this World Cup with the bat nor the ball uh, other than kind of holding up an end. Um, with, with the ball for yeah. a couple of overs, so but but then again, you can't, you know, if they've come, if they've persisted with him this far, he's part of the team, he's part of the balance, he's he's part of the boys. Mm. It would be extremely harsh to just bring Mitch Marsh in on form on a form basis. Mm. Edos, do you want to um, go back a time in evolution and pick Mitch Marsh? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I just, I know, I just felt like the book was closed on Mitch Marsh. I'm just really shocked and surprised to see him back. Like, I know why he's back. It's a like-for-like like thing. Um, but it just doesn't feel right, does it? I mean, you're saying that Stoinis has been there all all tour. You know, he arrived with the boys. He's been training with the boys. The boys have been around him, and he in turn has been around the boys. To bring in an outsider like Mitch Marsh, and then just kind of throw him into a semi or, or even a final at the expense of someone who's been with the boys, you know, for the best part of a couple of months. I just think that, that that's just not right. I, I think that's just not right, he goes. And, um, it's, it's a bit of a, like an ex-girlfriend situation. Like like M- Mitch Marsh, is, it's a little bit of like an absence makes a heart grow fonder. You sort of forget the parts he didn't like. Yeah. That much, and and the the, the current girlfriend Stoinis, that is, um, you can see the warts and all at the moment. Yeah, um, but yeah, the current the, girlfriend, like, she's here though. Mm. And because Mitch Marsh was like he was, you know, Shane Watson reincarnate. You know, he he was he was levers, he was rig, he was hundred forties, he was hitting hitting long bombs, mm. but it never really worked out that way, did it? 
But we are looking fondly back on him now. I mean, that Mm. was the relationship of a lifetime. Mm. Shane Watson. Oh, wasn't it? I mean, the the forgotten party here, of course, is Nathan Coulton-Isle, who has contributed in this World Cup. Um, That was just a holiday romance. That's... It was a fling. It was a bit of a summer fling. Mm, that West Indies we game. He wasn't what? in the team long enough to understand or figure out exactly what a cool denial is. Mm. But, I mean, he is another all-rounder in the squad and he has contributed m- more than... Well, Mitch Marsh hasn't had a chance, but certainly more than Stoinis. Um I really worry about that position as a whole because I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer. I mean, like, like Stoinis was injured first time, inj- injured his left side strain, then injured his right side strain, has looked out of sorts, hasn't bowled particularly well. <laughs> Both He's his sides are strained. Like, no, no runs anywhere. It takes ages to get off the mark, real slow. The, like, the, the power's gone out of his game. Haven't seen him bat well for Australia in a year. I So, like, I don't know, but... I mean, to that end, you're probably better off picking Wade there, you know, but then the change of the balance of the side, then you rely on Glenn Maxwell's overs, in which case you'll get targeted by England. Yeah, Do you reckon the like selectors are thinking all of these things? I mean, I hope so. Uh, It'd be really great like, to see Wade in the lineup, like just as a surprise, because the guy, mm-hmm. you know, as we've said in previous casts, he hasn't missed time to ball in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's just in He's in the absolute form of his life He knows his game It could be a wonderful story To bring him into the semi-finals Out of nowhere And for him to just Put together two magnificent innings To take Australia to a World Cup It's mm-hmm. unlikely though it, The only thing I, I can't believe we didn't think of it earlier though Because the only person They seem to sort of hate more than Matt Wade Although willing to cast a hot, aside more quickly Is Glenn Maxwell So mm-hmm. um, Which is you know Historically proven Over the last decade just about So um, I, I'd feel like as much as I want Wade in, if it's at the expense of Glenn Maxwell, you're like, oh, no. I just want all the scintillating players to be in at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we have been lucky enough to secure Elise Perry as a guest. Uh, she took 7 for 22 in the most recent ODI, completely destroying England. They're 6-0 up in the Ashes series before they head to Taunton on July 18 for the Test match there. Australia only need to draw that game. Uh, to secure the Ashes, then they'll be, uh, they won't be able to be surpassed. They'll be able to retain the Ashes. So um, let's get Elise on the phone. Harry Broad, good morning. You've been reading The Great Cricketer. But most of the book has taken up with proving he isn't good enough. Locker room language is rife and sexual immaturity is rampant. Having sexual relations is called burgling a chop. Uh, um, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I thought this should be a, a great book. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Boys, Elise Perry's return for a second time uh, onto the grade cricketer. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have her on. Seven for 22 the other day against England. Um, Pez, I just want to kick off by saying, uh, firstly, thanks for championing us the last time you came onto the show uh, with, uh, for a reply. I but, can't um, believe you started with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but secondly, turn off at the thought of that. 
Well, you, uh, you know, you can, you can do what you want, frankly, um, after your most recent figures. But I guess my first question is, um, how easy is cricket for you? Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for the question, chap. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, it's been a dream start for us, that's for sure. Um, in the in the Ashes over here, and um, you know, the first three games for us, the, some ODIs, and um, yeah, had you have said uh, on our way over here that we would have um, won all three of them and been six 0 up in the series, I think we all certainly would have been really chuffed and, and definitely taken it. So uh, yeah, it's been a nice start. I um, there was a fantastic piece written uh, about you in the Good Weekend recently, Elise, uh, by Conrad Marshall, and one of the interesting things you said within it was, um, you know, may, maybe interest in women's cricket will be more sort of uh, obvious to you if people started criticising uh, your innings. I'm not sure if it came across the right way through the piece, but I just wanted to say um, I just thought your last dismissal was a bit too close to cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you and most other people, I've, <laughs> I've had that one just dissected by my dad. Um <laughs> <laughs> from that time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever you say, um, yeah, <laughs> well, I was, I was yeah. lining up a tweet to, to that effect and, and I thought, you know, I've got to be sensitive about this. And um, as I was thinking about it, I let it go for a few hours and I returned and I saw that you took seven for 22. So I just thought, no, I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by all means, hold me over the hot coals. It was, um, it was a horrific <laughs> shot and I uh, deserve to be publicly shamed for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, self-loathing is important in cricket. Um, mm, at least, yeah, just just back to England's capitulation. I mean, you rolled them for 75. I'm just curious, at what point in their innings did you guys start hysterically laughing upon taking each wicket? <laughs> <laughs> Is when they're five down or six down? Or... <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like when, um, yeah, I'm going to shed a little bit more fight than what maybe the top order did, I suppose we felt um, reasonably chuffed about ourselves, but um, I'm very hesitant to say that because um, fortunately, slash unfortunately, there's a lot more cricket to play (laughs) (laughs) and a few more points in the line. So, um, yeah, they've had a bit of a rough trot uh, trot of it, that's for sure. And um, that last game, it just, yeah, nothing went their way, unfortunately. Um, Actually, very fortunately. Yeah, I mean, the test match coming up will be... Um, a pretty good fight. I think they'll be pretty keen to come out and um, yeah, throw a few more punches than they did last game. So, Pez, Belinda Clark has said that you are the most genuine Australian all-rounder of any gender or any generation. Um, Cricket Australia award a medal that adorns her name. I think they're going to make statues of you one day. So, what do you? I mean, what do you say <laughs> to Belinda's comments? Well, hopefully those statues are probably like five kilos lighter. Than the actual uh, realisation. But, um, <laughs> uh, Put in a request. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, oh, yeah, I, that's very kind of weird, especially coming from probably our greatest ever um, female player. So um, I very much appreciate it, but I'm, I'm not sure that's quite right. Um, yeah, I've still got... Um, plenty left to improve on until I get to that kind of status. Pez, um, obviously you've taken a 3-0 lead or a six-point lead in the Ashes over England at the moment and you moved to Taunton for the Test match. Um, don't really want to go too much into, uh, you know, 
the fact that there needs to be more test cricket played at the women's mm. level. I more just want to talk about the fact that you hit 213 not out last time <laughs> and are you going to better that this time? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how much the road the wicket is really, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> nothing's much better than North Sydney to bat on. But, um, <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know. I would um, be absolutely stoked if we can win that test. Um, and to your point, like... Um, this multi-series, uh, or sorry, multi-format series that we play against England, where we play the three ODIs in a Test match and then um, T20s, and they've all got points and they all basically total up to the Ashes, is mm. um, I guess really relevant to women's cricket. And it sounds a bit odd, probably for anyone that just follows the, the men's game, but for us, we play so much white ball cricket that it's really nice for them to be counted and to be important. And it sort of gives a lot of significance to each format mm. of the game too. So from that point of view, like. If we could play similar, um, you know, series against other top nations in the world, that would dramatically improve, um, increase the amount of test matches we play. But I think also it'd be, yeah, a pretty cool concept to have um, around the world. Hmm. Lisa, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has thrown his support behind former cricketer Ash Barty several times recently. And in fact, he's tweeted about her in, I think, two of his last seven tweets. Yet, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he hasn't publicly congratulated you for your seven for 22, um, which has almost surely sealed the ashes. So you obviously are devastated by this brazen oversight. Oh, uh, no, we FaceTimed the other night, so... Um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, what's, te- what's his technique like on FaceTime? Like, too close <laughs> to the camera? He's, he's a bit like my dad, actually. Like, the longer it goes on, the more, like, his face that just kind of disappears off the screen. He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't realise that he's actually holding yeah. the camera and I can't see it if it's not pointed at him. But. At, at what point in the conversation did he start speaking in tongues? <laughs> <laughs> just after we uh, we spoke pig Latin that time. I was just actually wondering, Elisa, uh, you know, everyone's a competitive beast uh, and there's been a lot of talk about Ash Barty recently being, you know, world number one ten- female tennis player. Um, what, what was the big, you know, bigger thing for you this week, taking seven for 22 or Barty crashing out of Wimbledon to restore the number one female sports person in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't ask that. Oh. <laughs> you didn't have to answer it. <laughs> it. <laughs> so indulgent. Oh, man. I think the best part was... Um, Oh, I don't know. Um, just seeing England as upset as they were probably after our game was, was the best part. We actually watched Ash's game on the bus. Um, we're, it's pretty amazing. Um, maybe the best thing about England is, is our bus. Um, it's kind of like a house. Like we've got uh, five or six flat screens in, on there. We've got a fridge. We've got a kitchen. We've got a coffee machine. Um, we've got tables and all sorts going on in there. So. Um, yeah, we watched her from, from the bus on um, a trip from one hotel to the other. And, um, yeah, it was, it was um, a real shame because she's obviously playing really well. Um, plus, she's just an absolute legend. But um, mm. I'm sure she'll be back bigger and better for sure. Alyssa, uh, I, I noticed that uh, Ben Sawyer's uh, helping helping you guys over there, assistant coaching. You obviously worked with him previously at the Sixers. I was sort of watching you bowl the other day. And uh, when I watched, I wanted to send you bowl in Australia. You're sort of a, probably a very natural sort of off-cutters action but in England you seem to be standing the same up a bit more is it a change of wrist position like is, is that something Ben's been working on with you I mean what's what's the change been uh, between how you've bowled in Australia and then just swinging the ball beautifully without swing in England 
Um, Piers Morgan had a celebrity cricket match the other day. Um, you must have been disappointed not to get the call up to that. I mean, did, Piers did Morgan. Did Brett Lee play Chris, in that? <laughs> I don't know. It was Chris Gale, Kevin Peterson, Piers Morgan. Oh, just okay. a lovely bunch of blokes to spend eight hours with on your weekend. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a comment. <laughs> no, it's a question. Um, <laughs> You've recently moved to Melbourne from Sydney, so I'm just going to get um, uh, really insular here. Uh, you're obviously previously in Sydney's Chatswood, now you're in Melbourne's Windsor. Um, that's very close to home for everyone else here on the cast. Uh, who's got the better coffee? Well, um, uh, coffee Club Melbourne. Westfield, Ch- Chatswood oh, Westfield. <laughs> Yeah, muffin break. <laughs> muffin break. <laughs> in the food court. <laughs> Where I never bought muffins. <laughs> yeah, on uh, on sheer weight of numbers, Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pez, I, want, I want to know, I mean, during the promotion of this show on Twitter <clears throat> last night, I was scrolling through the notifications mm-hmm. and former Australian player Kristen Beam said, uh, quote retweeted, she said, hope she talks about that fist pump in relation to your wicket celebration. <laughs> so, thoughts? Oh. Well, sure. Um, pretty simple. Um, Kristen basically messages me before my game and tells me that if I take a look at it, I So I try to. It doesn't come particularly naturally. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not great at celebrating, but yeah, the fist pump has sort of become become uh, my thing. It's kind of, I guess, a little um, yeah signal to to Beamsy, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that like David Warner's, you know, jump in the air post 100? Maybe you can kind of br- use that as a yeah, sponsorable action. Mm. Get Toyota on board. Mm. Yeah, well, I'd probably have to come up with a brand that, um, yeah, <laughs> is synonymous with a fist pump. I can't really think of one, but, yeah, uh, yeah maybe. F45. <laughs> <laughs> actually, F45, if you are listening to this, I, I'm, I'm actually in the market for um, some fitness deals. But anyway, um, <laughs> No, it's just because I've recovered from an injury and stuff, but uh, sorry to railroad that. I've been meaning to get that out there. Um, to get out. <laughs> I'm sorry, Elise. Um, I just noted in the Good Weekend article, Elise, um, just the way this was written as well sort of made me giggle, but it was it was describing you uh, putting your equipment on, uh, your kit on before you batted, and, and Conrad wrote, first the right pad, then the left one. Always right, then left. She does the same thing with suit and socks and sleeves with everything. I mean, like, like OCD is not to be mocked um, in a joke, but, um, you know, is it helpful to have it when you play cricket? Um, <laughs> it's not unhelpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um, I don't know when that started. The worst part about it is it's literally invaded every part of my life. So, like, yeah. even if I'm going down the shops and I'm putting – 
songs on my feet. Um, <laughs> I always put my right one on first. So, yeah, because yeah, I've got some issues, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's, I'm just wondering how far that extends, but oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think um, that, that I you think read books from right to left, like just Japanese books. <laughs> <laughs> That's dyslexic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's a different thing. That's a different thing. Yeah. Was that Mandarin? Um. Anyway, uh, Elise, uh, I think we've uh, exhausted our um, mainly silly questions uh, this time around. But thanks so much for being available. Congratulations <laughs> on uh, an incredible haul of seven for twenty-two. Uh, please keep destroying England. Uh, one of the great lines actually in that last piece as well was about the um audible the, the, the county members in the canterbury pavilion groaning audibly in pained british tones every time it <laughs> was taken um which is your gladdens the soul down here so congratulations uh, we'll catch up with you soon thanks guys lovely to chat as always we grade cricketers work hard Everything has to be hard at all times. Work hard. Circuit hard. Just be hard. Never smart. Always hard. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120Hz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Some developing news out of the grade cricketer. Um... You know, media juggernaut. Um, we're exploring the creation of our own custom budgie smugglers, and the running theme at the moment is all-time alphas. And I just want to discuss with you, David. He goes, who might adorn a set of smugglers for the all-time alpha mm. range? Uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking, you know, faff. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, of course. perhaps Alan Border's beard, <laughs> perhaps Steve Waugh's squinty eyes, mm. Ricky Ponting's forearms. Yep. Um, Clive Lloyd. Keith Miller's okay. brill cream hair. Hmm. Mm. So we're thinking of doing it just per body part. Right. Mm. So, you know, Michael Atherton's brain. Mm. <laughs> mm. Alan Border's mouth. If we could get it to Craig McDermott on that tour game when he told mm. he's going to send him home. Yeah. <laughs> Mid over. Colin, mm. the big man, de Grandhomme's <laughs> moustache. Yeah. Mm. The old gunslinger. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the, the old time alpha range is something we're considering. Please feel free, um, listeners, to submit any considerations for that all time alpha range. We're just thinking of sort of badly cut out pictures of. Um, either you know profile pics or, um, or sh- I should say mug shots or body parts and stuff, just at different angles over these smugglers, which we'll all adorn when we go for our you know various water-based activities. <laughs> whether that be yeah. you know a swim for your own fitness, or whether it be being afraid to um, shower nude mm. post uh, post day's play, wet and wild theme park on the Gold Coast, mm. Mm. or just sliding on the covers when it's raining. 
if you don't want to get involved in that, you can purchase your own custom smugglers. You can create your own design or get the nice Garys, uh, which is a couple of pictures of Nathan Lyon all over your, uh, your pecker there. And um, you can do that at budgiesmuggler.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. Hashtag AskTGC. Just before we get into the questions for this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whatever time you listen to this, the Grey Cricketer, sorry, GreyCricketer.club for all of your live show tickets where there are uh, a few, very few remaining tickets for London on August 12 and tickets remaining for our Birmingham show, Leeds show and Manchester, which I said at the top of the show. So GreyCricketer.club. Do get around the boys. All right, Jowie writes in and he says, I have recently been invited to netball for the touring Oz A squad because they fancy my quick left arm seamers that slide two and a half feet down leg. Now that I've finished flexing more than he goes in front of a body length mirror, it reminds me of playing second grade and being invited to bowl on the first net, afraid to offend or disrupt my hero's day in any way. Which takes me to my questions. Should I celebrate when I inevitably drag Marcus Harris's bat away from his body and nick him off to third slip? And how many pairs of gloves should I ask for? Mm. Really interesting that someone who's clearly good enough to be invited to bowl to essentially half the Ashes test squad is still taking mm. the opportunity <laughs> to ride into the grade cricketer, like just on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's flexing. He's flexing flex. on us. He's Full flexing on flex. us. He's flexing on us because I mean, he's he gets the Baltimore Sanctuary cricketers. It's not necessarily a reflection of your standard. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Um, but I mean, like I think to answer his, I mean, David Warner uh, hit a net bowler in the head with a cricket ball. Not it wasn't just an <laughs> off-field altercation, and then that guy. Um, got you know full signed shirt from the Australian team so I mean that's 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 the least mm. you should be asking for Jowie I reckon I'm just I'm quite jealous of Jowie I mean I always dreamed of being a young net bowler and I think there's always in all of us there's something inbuilt that if you bowl well and you can get the attention of someone and you can just suddenly be like inexplicably whisked into the test team like I'm, I'm sure he's a he's a pom but you know, I remember when I was a kid, my parents got me one of those books where you can insert your child into the storyline. Nice. So basically I was me, but I was plucked from obscurity to play for the Sydney Swans. Mm. And I ended up taking like a specky on Warwick Kappa's shoulders to win the grand final. <laughs> um, what I'm saying here is that, you know, I'll do the same for my son, except the book will be about him bowling in the nets and there's an injury to Mitch Stark. And then he suddenly takes a five for the SCG on debut at the age of eight. <laughs> I reckon um, th- there's nothing good good can come of this except for your own personal memories. I remember uh, when the West Indies came out to Australia in it must have been the early 2000s and Brian Lara was still playing and the, and the, the talk was that this touring team in the West Indies were like really out of shape and stuff and uh, Jules Stevenson who was a great first grade bowler he played he played at Gordon and played at my club um, he bowled Brian Lara 
and he was just oh. sledged mercilessly in the Sydney Morning Herald as like some po- some podgy balding grade cricketer um, <laughs> cleaned up Brian Lara. So it's like even in your wildest dreams. I mean, George yeah. was an excellent first grade bowler uh, who one season took forty wickets. But uh, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're a nobody and you bowl one yeah. of the greatest batsmen of all time, still doesn't matter. So just have sledged a good day out, by Joey. a pudgy balding Sydney Morning Herald journalist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Aiden writes in. Choppers, he says. The late night sport is wearing me pretty thin. I've made myself nocturnal to watch H. Nichols kick a straight one, R. Taylor run out our best player, and then our second best. CDG dish out another cough lozenge when we need runs. Any Netflix recommendations? I was born in the late 80s where I had to endure some slow, grey, beta New Zealand cricket. Australia was an absolute juggernaut, (laughs) producing some glistening alphas. I'm sure your your Chris Poster was better than my Adam Perore. Of, co- uh, of Adam Perore Mortgages poster. That's obviously a, uh, <laughs> an old familiar feeling. That's it. Uh, just on Adam Perore, he was responsible for the world's most unprintable sledge ever um, <laughs> in a match against Australia when Mark Waugh sledged him. I honestly cannot repeat what Perore responded with, but it's it's available on Google. Just type in Adam Perore Mark Waugh sledge <laughs> and you'll... um. See what I mean. Netflix recommendations, anyone? I just finished the Madeleine McCann document, documentary series. Yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Don't yeah. want to spoil it. She's still missing. Yeah. But it was, yeah. it was good. Well, I think they're teasing it for a second season. Um, yeah. I think that's how that's, that's going on. I've actually just started to get into Chernobyl. Um, Meant to be and very also good. the HBO, HBO series, yeah. I've been working on a tweet, on a personal tweet for years. Um, like literally, <laughs> it's been in my drafts for like two years. Yeah. This is your startup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just and, grinding away. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's like I was born, I was born two months after uh, one of the reactors exploded in Chernobyl in 1986. And so far, my only superpower is, insert joke here, can't quite get it right. Had it in the drafts for two years. Keep um, at it. Yeah, keep it. I'll find something. Um, Very yeah. good. Um, okay, this one's from Jake. G'day, he goes, Pears and Dave, if you're reading. I'm currently travelling Europe and thought I'd jump on Tinder to see if I can meet some local singles in the multiple areas I'll find myself in over the next month. Thoughts on putting a screenshot of my My Cricket stats in as one of the biopics on my Tinder bio? Keep in mind my batting average is nine with 26 runs to my name and I've taken seven wickets at 17.14. Will this get me a stat on the circuit, or should I leave it with just a photo of me showing off my KFC tattoo on my leg? Cheers, Jake. So this is just yuck in all areas. <laughs> KFC tattoo on your leg makes me want to throw up. Um, that's an idea, and obviously he goes, you've selected this question. He's one of those blokes that, like, takes a photo of his leg with his KFC tattoo and then, like, posts it to the KFC Twitter account and trying to get like free nuggets for a year or something. I'm not, yeah. This is I'm not on Tinder, is. but um, is this becoming a trend? The placing of my cricket stats uh, as, as uh, a biopic? No, no, yeah. no, I don't think. I think you can be misled if you read the amount of inboxes that we get with similar um, similar jokes. Um, but no, it's not a it's not a real thing. I mean, it's not a common thing. Also uh, in Europe, I mean. I know that they're trying to grow cricket in the region. The Euro Slam is on soon, actually, isn't it? Chris Lynn will be there. That's Maybe right. we could hang out with Linny. We could connect mm. him with Linny and he could just orbit in his vicinity. That probably would yield more success than 
They're just posting your micro get stats. And it's really interesting how like how, how young people communicate on dating apps. Um, said said granddad. Um, but like, I remember we did it. Remember we did that show at O's in Brisbane. Oh, we did the Brisbane Great Cricket Awards a couple of years ago, and I was talking mm. to some young upstarts there, and we were talking about Bumble or something, and they were all like, "So what's your pickup line?" And I was like, "I, I just say hello." Uh, and they were like, that's wow. What? No, no, you don't. That's so lame. What? And I think they're like still at the age where <laughs> I don't like, remember that. they like, they, they, they buy into the, uh, the, like the idea that like, if you say certain words, you unlock, you know, a woman's underwear and they are yes. just, yeah, they are just powerless to your, you know, words. I think they like read the mm. game too many times. The game. Like, yeah. The Bible. Yeah. No, if you, if you just be a normal person, um, then that's a great way to start a conversation. Then, mm. uh, then, you know, get whatever you want there. You know, I'm not saying you need to form meaningful relationships all the time. Uh, but you know, you can get what you want, but yeah, if you just start by saying hello, that's a start. So Jake, no, I would not do the tattoo or cricket stats thing. Uh, at least until you get your average up into the early twenties, Joseph, ask him. Hi fellas. Looking forward to seeing you guys at your London show or stoked as you might say. My question relates to an employment issue. I'm interviewing someone who proudly states on his CV that he has played first class cricket. Obviously, I immediately Googled him and he has a Crick Info site, has played a few county games and was an age group international. The bloke can clearly cricket. Firstly, he claims to have developed, and I quote, excellent interpersonal skills through playing competitive sport. What the fuck is he talking about there? Secondly, if I give him the job, who is the alpha here? I love cricket and I'm actually having a decent start to the season, 68 average with a bat, and I don't even care if that comes from scores of 8 and a fluky 60 not out and a DNB. The stats don't lie. But this bloke is obviously better than me at cricket and therefore everything. What happens when I ask him to do something at work and he pretends to have forgotten my name? And finally, how long after I inevitably employ him can I ask him to come play for my club and bask in his reflected glory? All the best, Joe from England. I think Joe has... um has the upper hand, which has the alpha, because Joe clearly controls this yeah. um, person's employment uh, capability. I would yes. love mm. him to challenge the um, the potential employee in the interview around the meaning behind excellent interpersonal skills. Like, so he has to yes. stay very quiet, Joe. About like Joe has to stay very quiet about his own cricket background and his knowledge of cricket and what interpersonal skills really means because uh, it would be really dysfunctional and he has to sit there and listen to this, this guy talk about, um, you know, what it actually means to, to play cricket and the dysfunction surrounding it. He'll eventually employ him and then ridicule him for that interview. Um, There's some great um, interpersonal skills to be learning cricket though, Pez. I mean, listening skills, like nodding approvingly in the stretching circle. <laughs> Non-verbal communication, just avoiding eye contact with lower graders. That's an interpersonal skill. That would be like you'd really um, respected, I suppose, in a job interview if someone actually said that. Oh, yeah, so there's this thing called the stretching circle uh, where Mm. people share important (laughs) sexual tales uh, to each other and uh, Mm. it's really important that you actually nod and and make sure that you wait your turn to tell your story. What's an example of good decision-making? All the time I took a cab home after eight beers in the dressing room (laughs) as opposed to taking on the back roads. When I saw that best fielder pick up the ball, and I, de- I, de- I declined a second run. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's do the last one, lads. Matthew Edstein writes, lads, two years or 
so ago, my wife bought me a Kindle. In between reading both The Grey Cricketer and Tea and No Sympathy, I've actually rather impressed myself with the quality of literature I've gotten through. Robert Hughes's The Fatal Shore, Charles Dickens' Great Expectation, and Michelle Obama's Becoming. About two months ago, we changed internet provider at home, and I have not yet connected my Kindle to the new network. Since then, my wife has asked me what I am reading several times. Given that I haven't been able to download any new books in the past two months, my increasingly sheepish response each time is TGC. I have now read The Grade Cricketer three times and Tea and No Sympathy four. In brackets, Tea and No Sympathy is slightly better in my view. Throughout my rereads, I've thoroughly enjoyed guessing which one of you experienced in real life the events described in the book, who was caught shadow batting naked by their dad. He goes, is my guest. At some point, I really will have to connect to the new network and download some new books. To that end, I guess my question is this. Are you writing a new book? And if so, when will it be released? Kind regards, Matt. Some good literature that he got through there beforehand. Yes. Great expectations. Yes. Like yeah. Referenced in Teen No Sympathy. Um, it is. A few times. The yeah. Fatal Shore will be next. Um, we haven't... Uh, really discuss doing another book. I think it will it will happen when it kind of jumps out at us to do it, right? <laughs> I think it'll happen. Mm. Uh it won't be this summer. It won't be it won't be in Christmas stockings this year unless, you know, uh, Alan and Unwin decide to like rebrand Teen No Sympathy to make it look like a different book mm. by just changing the cover or something. <laughs> uh but we could do a foreword to Tea and No Sympathy, like, you know, some books <laughs> yeah. they re release it with the author's <laughs> foreword. <editions>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um also, no, it wasn't me who was caught shadow batty naked. It wasn't anyone. It's a fictional book. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> I believe. I like, I like that everyone thinks everything in the book actually happened to mm. one of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pez, yeah. to be fair, you did visit WG Grace's tombstone when meeting up with your ex-girlfriend in England for coffee. <laughs> Some things are based on fact, to be fair, but yeah. He goes, you went to a gay bar and danced on a table with your shirt off shrieking lads, lads, lads <laughs> in unison with your teammates. I mean, these are things that happen and will continue to happen. That did. That's and you exactly fell out right. with your dad that's in the a... backyard showdown. <laughs> uh, now everyone knows who wrote what bit. All right. Thank you so much for Elise Perry for coming into the show. That's the Great Reader podcast for today. We'll be back in a couple of days' time to review uh, the second semi final, England and Australia. So we'll catch you then.